Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. This is the Friday, September 22nd edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Derek Van Riper's with me like every Friday afternoon. We're going to get you all ready with, with all the last minute, let's say, things. Not last minute Sunday, but end of the week, injury reports, stuff like that for week three. But first, we all knew that Niners-Rams would go over 79 and a half, right Derek? Yeah, we uh, we had Dalton Del Don on the XM show yesterday, and he was just really lamenting that that was going to be the only game he was planning on going to as a Niners fan. I think he lives kind of far away from the stadium because everybody does. Uh, so he was upset about the traffic, low scoring expectations, and actually turned out to be what I think is uh, being referred to as the best game of 2017 so far. Right. I mean, it might wind up being the best game of 2017, period. It's it's not definitely not with out of the realm of possibility. Are you going to be disappointed though if last night's game is the best one we see all season? Uh, you know I'm good with that. I like it was so unexpectedly fun. That I I wound up, I turned it on and I'm going I got I guess I gotta watch this and I see it's seventeen seven. I go oh that's interesting. So now the Rams are going to kill them. Great. And then I couldn't <laughs> take my eyes off it. It was so great. 
I had such a great time watching it with the, with the fumble on the kickoff return and the onside kick and, and Gurley running well and Jared Goff looking like a real-life quarterback. That, wow, that was just – I'm fine with that. that. That was one of those games where you just – I like them when they come out of nowhere like that. If the best game of the year was something like Packers-Patriots, it would be fun, but, you know, you geared up for it and that's fine. Last night it was one of those, you know, you, you never knew it was going to happen and it did. Yeah. I mean, minimal expectations for me. Now I am a Brewers fan and they have a big series that started yesterday against the Cubs. So my attention was locked in on that and I'm kind of tracking Twitter and I'm seeing everybody getting excited about Rams Niners. It's like, really? Oh well, yeah. I guess there is a lot to get excited about here. I mean, Todd Gurley, three TDs, 149 yards from scrimmage, Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins over a hundred yards and Watkins scored twice, unfortunately in the concussion protocol right now. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, I mean, the Rams on two occasions now have had pretty nice explosions offensively. And when you look at the way the targets were distributed yesterday in the passing game, Watkins getting up a little higher, getting up to seven is a step in the right direction. I mean, I think with Goff, there is a lingering concern with me that he will not always throw into tough matchups when he's facing a premier corner on Watkins. That those could be the games where Goff just volume wise kind of looks elsewhere. Uh, maybe that's why we saw a little less Cooper Cup last night. It's because we saw more Sammy Watkins. All right, but that's fine. I mean, if, if that winds up being your Jared Goff complaint, that's way better than we thought a month ago. Oh yeah, much much better. So yeah, this this was so. I mean, Garcon had a big night, seven for one forty two. Carlos Hyde ran pretty well. I, I mean, that was just again. Um, I. I am good if that's my favorite game of 2017. Okay. I, I mean, I think I'd be disappointed more in the sense of one, I didn't watch it live because I was watching the Brewers game. Right. Uh, and two, that it already would have happened in week three. You know, I, I still want that as something to look forward to. It's more, more that's than that I had something else going on and it's passed uh, than anything else. If that ends up being the best game of the year, then that's, that's a great game. All right. Enough Niners Rams. Enough about the juggernauts that we saw in that game. Todd Gurley, six touchdowns for Todd Gurley already, by the way. If 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 you bought if you bought Todd Gurley in, let's say, round it was late second, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. People. Yeah. I was gonna say if you wound up buying him somehow in round three, I think I think you might have a win already. We're pretty close. <laughs> yeah, the the one spot where I thought about taking him a little earlier was in the NFFC. Uh, Mike Doria, who edits uh, football notes and basically is the manager of the day-to-day coverage here, shares that team with me. We were sitting there and we're like, all right, get the last pick, the 14th picks. We go twice. You know, we liked Brandon Cooks a lot. And so far that's been regrettable because we got him as one of the two picks and Zeke fell. And that was the weekend when we still didn't know what exactly was going to happen with Zeke. Right. If we'd gone Zeke Gurley, that would have changed a lot about how our team was put together. Now we ended up getting CJ Anderson in the fourth. Uh, and, and there's some other things that have gone pretty well overall. So that team's not bad, but man, the the, the people that passed on Todd Gurley in favor of Jordan Howard, <laughs> like now three weeks in, have to just be kicking themselves. And I, yes. I would have done that. Like I would, I would, I would probably looked at Howard over Gurley at, at certain points in draft season and been like, yeah, this makes sense. He did it behind a, a bad line last year, and I, I wasn't buying the Tariq Cohen narrative during the preseason really at all. And Howard's got the shoulder injury now. The Bears look terrible. It's almost like Gurley's year two is what Jordan Howard's year two could look like. And that's kind of scary. Yeah, it is kind of scary. All right, everybody. 
We thank Fanball for sponsoring the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast all week again. Thank you very much, Fanball. Check them out, fanball.com. Um, Twitter, let's see. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at JHoffman37. Uh, you've got the news feed at Rotowire NFL, where you, you'll see any, if anything happens, uh, comes across the newswire, you'll see it at Rotowire NFL on Twitter. Or you can check us out at Rotowire, uh, where you, you'll see uh, more, let's say, human commentary. Derek, I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah, human commentary. That's that's appropriate. Nothing against the robots at Rotowire NFL, but it's not robots. You know what I mean, folks. It's lots of news. It's actually very important to follow. Um, also, you can check us out on Facebook. All right. So we're going to go through some uh, Friday afternoon news, um, talk about some things you like, talk about some injury reports, things like that. So the latest out of Tennessee, DeMarco Murray limited on Friday. Um, the ESPN Titans beat writer said that basically whether Murray plays or not, you will see a, quote, significant workload for Derrick Henry. So if Murray's out, you're locked and loaded with Derrick Henry. But if Murray plays and you're a Henry owner, you're starting him, but how confident are you? You know, I'm kind of lukewarm on it this week. I think the Titans' offensive line is good enough to match up against most fronts. Uh, I think Seattle's a good run defense, maybe even a very good run defense, even though Carlos Hyde really shredded them quite a bit. In week two, that was an yeah. ugly game between the Niners and Seahawks, by the way. I think we talked about that a little bit on Monday. So I'm looking at it, and, and Henry, even if Murray plays, Henry is kind of like a must-play, at least as a flex, I think, and in most circumstances. I mean, if you're in like a 10-team league, you're loaded at running back, maybe you've got a case there where you don't have to play him. Uh, but I, I would kind of take that report actually at face value in this case because if you're the Titans, what incentive do you have to run DeMarco Murray into the ground in week three against a really physical Seattle defense when you have a 6'3 bruising back like Henry who can pretty capably handle the extra workload for a week or possibly two. All right. So actually, who do you prefer? If I mean, it, let's say it, it's this is a hard one because most people weren't able to get Henry as a handcuff for Murray, right? In on draft day because he was going Henry was going too early for that. But all right, what I'm getting at here, let's say you did. Who would you play? If Murray's active, who would you play? I'd play Henry this week. I, mean, I just think it's it, it might have something to do with the depth that the Titans have at running back too, where they could have Murray available, they could use him if they need him, and then just not really use him that much and rely heavily on Henry. I just think that that totally makes sense based on the way that team's built. All right. Um, Vikings, Sam Bradford out again. Um, how much are you dinging digs in Thielen? A lot. I mean, yeah. I Tampa, Tampa Bay ordinarily wouldn't be a matchup that you're really fearful of. But Case Keenum, as we saw last week, and it was on the road in Pittsburgh. This is at least at home. Case Keenum's not going to bring a whole lot to the table. Uh, I think with Diggs and Thielen, it's probably as much as you would downgrade a guy like T.Y. Hilton with Jacoby Brissett throwing him passes where Diggs is like a firm wide receiver to Thielen's probably not that far behind him. You know, Bradford's healthy right now. Now it's more like flex low end wide receiver three look carefully at those next best options on your roster because they may ultimately be better plays than Diggs and Thielen, which is unfortunate I like both of those players a yeah. lot uh, and I think it hurts Delvin Cook a little bit too I know some of the DFS sites still have him priced pretty low it just hurts him because the three and out potential is through the roof with Case Keenum with Case right. Keenum yeah it was too bad because Cook wasn't bad last week but you're right that li- that limits him it's not that he limits him and it's not on every play it's that you know, the, the actual, the volume gets hurt. 
by a guy like Keenum. You're right. Um, last week, by the way, Diggs, um, two for 27 on six targets. Thielen, five for 44 on six targets when Keenum played. Um, so I, I think Bucks are going to win this game, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think the Bucks win. I, I don't know if they like blow them out or anything like that, but I, I could see the Bucks winning by you know six or seven. Yep. Okay. Um, Patriots. Uh, looks like Burkhead's most likely on all these. Bur- Burkhead out, Gronk in, Amendola back in. And week one, Danny Amendola was uh, was an interesting player, right? He he was a productive. He was a type of guy. Who, if you're going to get it again, and he was six for 100, by the way, if you're going to get that Danny Amendola again, you want to start him. If he's active in PPR, is he a guy you want to start? Yeah, I think in like a full PPR scenario, at least 12 teams, I'm at least considering it. I'm wondering if the snap count will go up from where it was in week one. He only played 32 snaps, but he caught six or seven targets for 100 yards in that game. And it's three catches that went for 20 or more. Like, that's pretty impressive. I like him quite a bit as an underneath guy, though. I mean, I think with Houston having a good pass rush, Brady's going to kind of emphasize getting rid of the ball quickly. So it's going to be more short and intermediate throws. So I could see a guy like Amendola thriving in this matchup and probably James White as well for the Patriots. All right. So does it surprise you that um, the Patriots have the highest projected point total on the board? No, nah, I mean, they're back at home. Brady hasn't lost back-to-back home games since 2006. Uh, the Houston defense is a little banged up, I think, at corner. They they always find a way to you know, kind of make the layup, if you will. And they're, they're two touchdown favorites. I mean, yeah. like, that's where that's where it comes from. I, I think, I, I guess I could see them underperforming the implied total if Houston just completely lays an egg offensively, but plays a better game than some people expect defensively. So instead of putting up to 28, 28, 28 or total is maybe they check in at like 23 or 24 but it, with that personnel for the Patriots it's not that much of a disappointment all right let me let me ask you another related question with Deshaun Watson playing and Deshaun Watson looks we're talking about real life Deshaun Watson now not fantasy Deshaun Watson who who what defense is better than the Patriots this week I've got I've got them ranked second uh, you probably have the Dolphins going up against the Jets ranked ahead of them. I have the Ravens, actually. Okay, I have the Ravens against Bortles in London. Yeah, I mean, jet lag. Uh, just Bortles being Bortles. Ravens defense looking good. Over-under in that game is like 39.5, too. Right. It's a really low low total. Actually, Bucks vikings is down at 39.5. How high do you have the Bucks defense? I have the Bucks defense at number... Actually, I haven't moved it yet because of the Bradford thing but I'm going to have the Bucks defense you know what I'm going to have it number 10 which is not too okay. high yeah, it's I've, not crazy I mean, I've got play, some other ones I like though. a lot well like the, the, Bills I mean, actually the Broncos like. the Broncos aren't like a streaming defense because somebody just has them and plays them every week but I'm worried about the Bills offense this week they may sputter in a really big way and I don't, I don't think it's because of what Denver did to, to Dallas last week I think it's because the Bills offensively i mean you saw them play against the panthers last week they didn't even really look that good against the jets did they i mean when you count for how bad the jets actually are they really didn't i i just wonder if they're gonna i i i have this this image in my head of this game going the bills way of the crowd Mm -hmm. and the defense and all that getting them a win 
just just because I am not such a believer in the Broncos. Like I mm, I, well. I have certainly underestimated Trevor Simeon, but I don't think I mean the the Broncos are not a I don't think they're a number one seed kind of team. So no, so the, I don't think they the are. Kind, this is the kind of game they could lose for me. I mean, I, I could see them losing road games to teams that end up with losing records this year. I don't think they're going to lose this one. I was actually surprised they weren't favored by a little more in being the road team. Certainly as a factor, I would have thought like four and a half was the line. It's actually three. Right. So, you know, I, I like the Broncos maybe a little more than you do. Okay. Um, let's see other injury stuff, but Oh, one more thing about back to the Pats and Amendola. Um, so any anyone who had any thoughts about Philip Dorsett needs to get him out of their head now that Amendola's back. I know they're different, and I know Amendola's a slot guy, but you know only so many balls to go around. I, the Hogan stuff. What, was, what do you do with Hogan this week? Like, how much do you? He seems flexy's the easy thing to say, and I say it because I have him thirty first at wide receiver, which sort of is the definition of flexy. Yeah, I think if Houston were healthier in the secondary, he might be. A uh, guy I'd have on the bench. I think he's like a firm, like wide receiver three consideration. So kind of in the 30 to 40 range among receivers. Yeah. So even even like in a 10 team league where you start three, I think Hogan might be good enough in this matchup, despite Amendola's return to give you a, a nice floor again this week. All right. Um, everybody, we got to talk about daily fantasy sports. We're going to talk about it a lot today. Um, and, you know, sometimes you like playing, but you don't win and not winning is no fun, especially when you're not winning against people who just spend a lot more time on daily fantasy, you know, the sharks in every, in, in every daily fantasy pool. And sometimes they get you, um, but playing daily fantasy is supposed to be fun. And we're going to tell you about a whole new approach to daily fantasy sports, the fanball number at fanball.com. Here's the fanball difference. Your fanball number identifies your skill level and it ensures that you play in contests against players at your skill level. If your fanball number is, let's say 35, you're not going to be playing against experts rated in the eighties and nineties. They have their own contest at fanball.com. Every player has a fanball number and every contest has a fanball number. So you can find a contest rated around that 35 knowing that i'll have players just like you they've leveled the playing field with the fanball number at fanball.com have more fun and a better chance to win that's fanball.com you're gonna you're gonna be up again there this week Derek. you, you had oh, yeah. one there last week right i did well in the uh i think it was the chase the charge is what they called it or chase mm-hmm. charge uh after paul charchian and uh, yeah cashed in that free roll and uh, i'm gonna be playing over there a little bit again this week so uh, i'm up to a 49 on my fanball number i think that's decent but not great so you know it, it's it's new for me so we'll see how how uh, week three treats me all right um I, we did this last week players you're kind of curious to see um not necessarily you know the Le'Veon bells of the world actually Le'Veon bell is an interesting one because he's had two games that his owners are not happy with and they're going to be they're on the edge of their seat wondering when the heck the big breakout's going to happen so maybe he is that guy yeah, I mean, I like Bell as kind of a, an expensive option for week three, though, because when the Steelers are away, we know Ben Roethlisberger's got bad splits. I still think they're going to be able to do whatever they want against the Bears for the most part. The Bears showed up in week one, didn't look quite as good in week two, of course, against the Bucks. That was a bit of a surprise. I think it's going to be a lot of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, we saw the volume pick up in week two. That bodes well. So, I mean, like on Fanball, he's 8,900. He's very expensive. But... I have no problem if you're building two or three lineups to make sure that Bell is your your kind of key piece in at least one of them. All right. Guy I'm kind of curious to see is Marcus Mariota. 
I think this is where last week, I think they made a nice statement. And you and I talked about this on Monday that I, I thought that Jacksonville game was kind of tough for them. And they were 0-1 and they could have been staring at, you know, a, a disastrous start to a season that a lot of people thought was going to be really good. And they just went out and they just, you know, they took care of business and Jacksonville was nice. I think they're going to take care of business again. I'm really curious to see if if he can have that get that offense to really move the ball against a good defense like Seattle's at home. Yeah, that's going to be a good test for him. There have been some some tough draws for Mariota so far, so he'd be pretty high on my list of kind of like, hey, prove it type guys uh, at this point. Derrick Henry against that Seattle defense. I mean, we talked about him before. I think he's pretty high on my list of what's going to happen this week. I want to watch and see how he looks, even if Murray's out there. You know, is Henry going to overtake him? That's kind of an interesting storyline. Uh, they could flip sides of the timeshare. Like if, if, if by the end of the season, if Derrick Henry is getting 60 to 65 percent of the touches and, and Murray is the second fiddle getting 35 or, or 40, that wouldn't really be the most surprising thing, would it? I'd be I, no, because Henry's if Henry plays well, then no, I, I it would surprise me a little. If Murray's healthy, that would surprise me. Maybe not as much, mm-hmm. maybe not as much as, you know, I would be, you know, blown away, but I would be kind of surprised just because I think Murray's really good, but that's a nice he's, problem to have. He's, for 20, he's, 20, he's 29. Like he's, I mean, he's a little older than people realize. He is. He was really good last year though. I don't know. I, I know what you're saying that, that, I mean, Henry looks like he's good. And it's funny because after last year, I don't know that we were all convinced. I know I wasn't if we were convinced that he could be that kind of guy. But I thought he was a bruiser, but I wasn't sure if he was good enough to be the lead back. And I think he's, the first two games of this year, I feel like he's a little better than, than maybe I gave him credit for. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a reasonable take. Um, Chris Carson, I mean, on the other side of that same game, mm. like what is what's the volume going to look like? How is he going to do against the Tennessee defense behind that porous Seattle offensive line? <laughs> I think I think Carson's kind of a fascinating player this week. Christian McCaffrey's been on my watch list three weeks running. I think this is an amazing spot for him against the Saints. I think with Greg Olson being out, McCaffrey's going to help pick up that slack. I like the snap volume advantage he's had over Jonathan Stewart to this point anyway. I think people are starting to lose the faith a little bit. I think some uh, some DFS ownership rates will tick up a little bit again this week because it's the Saints, but I don't think that's bad chalk this week with Christian McCaffrey. Right. Uh, I think you're right. And you, Carson's an interesting one because I feel like I've gotten a bunch of questions about him this week. He's, he's one of the most popular players in the Twitter questions. And I'm going, and they're saying, you know, hey, should I start? I'm going to look at the running back list. And I feel like I've been getting Chris Carson or with a lot of good or names like C.J. Anderson. You Come know, on, really? People are people are people are thinking about that with, yes. those, with those two guys. Pe- people are, and I think, like I said to you, I think Anderson's in a bit of a tough spot. But I think people are going a little too crazy about Carson after one, literally one good game. But I also think that if he goes, you know, nine carries for fourteen yards this week, it's not necessarily an indictment of how he's going to do the rest of the season because I think Tennessee's like this. This this lines up to be a pretty good spot for the Titans. So Carson, like I wouldn't quit on Carson after this week either, but people are going, yeah, I, I, I'll look up all the Carson questions, but they, they've, they, they've surprised me. Certainly. Mm. Wow. I just, I, 
I like Chris Carson enough, but I feel like he's one of those guys where if you you, know, you lost a running back early this year, maybe you went zero running back, you pick him up, you use him in those scenarios where you don't have a lot otherwise going on. I, I think I'm encouraged by the volume, and I can see him being the lead ball carrier with CJ Procise being the passing down specialist. So it could work out really favorably for him. But there are still plenty of questions there, and that's why I'm so interested to watch and see how he does uh, in another good test here. Uh, for other guys that I'm thinking about, uh, as far as interesting watches for this week, the Minnesota receivers would be there. Bradford were playing. We already mentioned he's out, so they didn't quite make the cut for me. Kenny Galladay kind of disappeared a little bit Monday night. Part of that was volume for Stafford being down. I want to see how he is utilized against an Atlanta defense that you know probably has Marcus Trufant matching up or Desmond Trufant rather matching up against uh, Tate and Marvin Jones a lot. And the safeties might be focused on Eric Ebron. So is this another good spot for Kenny Galladay with the Lions home against the Falcons? All right. I'm going to give you two Twitter questions I got. One was, hold on. What do you, what do you think of a digs for Carson trade? That's Uh, high praise right there, right? That's high praise for Carson. I know even, you know, because you think Bradford's coming, unless you think Bradford's, you know, done for the year, which means you know more than me. You know, I think it's I think it's that I don't know at all what's going on with Sam Bradford's knee. And I almost wonder if the Vikings don't even know. I mean, wasn't the line that there was too much scar tissue to see the ligaments? Isn't that what they, I they told so. people? Yeah. Um, that doesn't sound good, does it? No, it sounds terrible. He's had a lot of knee trouble throughout his career, too. So, I mean, the, the amount of scar tissue is not surprising. It's not a secret or anything like that. But, you know, I think what that speaks to is some people just not having a lot at running back right now. Right. And I think it's actually a pretty fair trade okay. because the, the uncertainty that you get because of Bradford's knee, it, it chips away at the, the upside that Diggs has. And Carson with your, your pie in the sky sort of expectations. What is he a top 15 running back? If everything goes well, if it goes well. Yeah. Yeah. So you're giving up a, top 25 ish receiver for like a top 15 running back. If, if, if everything's clicking, I mean, maybe that's underselling Diggs' ceiling a little bit, but keep in mind the one game Bradford played was against the saints. So, right. But every, but the, everything looked amazing for the Vikings in that game. Right. But the, but the odds of Diggs' ceiling being, it, are, are being reached are better than the odds of Carson's ceiling. Absolutely. But yeah. it, it's kind of like in fantasy baseball season for the listeners out there who play both. If you had pitching, you were great. If you didn't have pitching and were trying to trade for it, it seemed like this year, more than any other year I've ever played, you had to overpay to get it. And I think that's kind of how running back is shaping up mm-hmm. right now. Um, the other question, I guess, just, I'm trying to give you samples. Someone asking me, I need one running back. Gillisley, Carson, Cohen, McCaffrey. That's, okay, that's, so that's like a good that, group. That's a good group, and for me, Carson's just not even in consideration. It's it's, it's Gillisley versus McCaffrey, right? Like it, it's those those are the two. It's one of those two guys, and man, I think in that spot, if it's PPR, if it's full PPR, it's McCaffrey. If it's non PPR, it's Gillisley, and if it's half PPR, I have no idea what <laughs> I would do. That that's one of the most difficult calls if you're splitting the difference. I think, I think if I had to make that choice in a half point PPR league. I think it's Gillisley over McCaffrey. I think it is too. Because I think the odds of Gillis I think if you had to pick 
a running back to score a touchdown this week, Gillisley would be one of your top 10. Right. I mean, of the snaps Jonathan Stewart plays, those could still happen in and around the stripe. Right. So inside the red zone. And, you know, McCaffrey, he's a little bit dependent upon Cam getting some more touchback and, and being a little more comfortable this week, which, again, should happen because of the matchup. But physically, maybe he's not quite there yet. So it's a great problem to have if you're looking at Gillisley versus McCaffrey. Yeah, that is a nice problem to have. All right, everybody, I want before we move on, I want to give you a quick reminder that you have a 930 game Sunday morning. You have Ravens Jags. Yeah. So if you're setting lineups, please don't forget that. Um, and, and in a lot of your, let's say DFS slates, I'm looking at DraftKings right now. The, the main slate on Sunday, Ravens Jags is off the table. So much as I, I want to, there's one particular play I wanted to start in that game and I can't, we'll talk about him later, but, um, everybody, as you know, it's not too late to get closer to the game you love with DraftKings One Week Fantasy Football. This Sunday, DraftKings is hosting a $100,000 Pick'em contest, totally free to enter. Pick'em is the newest way to play One Week Fantasy Football. Drafting your team is faster than ever. I got to tell you, I played it last week for the first time, and it was terrific. DraftKings has organized players into eight tiers. All you have to do is select one player from each tier. Choose between public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against a group of your friends. DraftKings also has beginner and casual contests where you play against people of similar skill levels. And the best part is you get to draft a new team each week without any commitment. So get to DraftKings.com now and use the promo code WIRE to play in DraftKings free contest with $100,000 in total prizes this Sunday. That's promo code WIRE to compete for your share of $100,000 in total prizes. The contest is totally free to enter, so really, why wouldn't you check it out? DraftKings, the game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. You know who I'm eyeballing for DraftKings tournaments? Mm. I, I, go ahead. Sorry. You're gonna I was going to say, well, look, I was, I was going to take, take a total shot in the dark at, at a player that you like. I'm going to say Devin Funches. That's a good one. That's a really good one. And I am. He is one of the players. He's 4,200, which is not a bad price. Um, he's another player I mentioned earlier in this podcast said I didn't like. I didn't like the real life version. But the fantasy version, I'm excited. Deshaun mm. Watson. Okay. Okay. Deshaun Watson. So I don't think I could do it. 4,700. Yeah, he, he's got to run. If he runs for 50, there you go. You need the rushing TD. Like if you he do. gets the rushing score and like 30 or 40 yards on the ground and even just throws for like 120 or something, which you could do more than that if they're playing catch up, that that makes value at that price point. Yeah. So I, I see I see the path. I see the path. Then do you pair him with anybody? Do you go like completely off the rails and go Watson with like Lamar Miller and then just <laughs> you, like fade DeAndre Hopkins, too, because the Patriots can often take away a top option a bold strategy cotton i don't know or or like watson it. with like ryan griffin in the flex yeah <laughs> that's nice is he active what's the tight end this tight end situation for the texans he's supposed to be back somebody else has to catch some passes behind deandre hopkins so yes. i'm actually in a two tight end league in the stopa league I'm, I'm playing ryan griffin this week because of the tyler eifert injury i, I love I'm leagues not like happy that. About. i love leagues where you have to play a guy like ryan griffin they're so great yeah, it was. Uh, do I do I get Clive Walford, who's blocking more for the Raiders <laughs> or uh, Ryan Griffin, who's coming off a concussion? Mm-hmm. Tough, yeah. tough call. Actually, I'm looking at this slate. Jacoby Brissett is forty eight hundred. Which is not against, against the Browns. Browns. Yeah. And Kaiser's five thousand. There's some cheap quarterbacks that could actually put up some decent numbers. And Brissett's at least at home. Yep. 
I mean, I, I think I'd feel a little better about your Watson call if he if he got the Patriots in Houston. That's fair. Okay, that's fair. I actually think as a cash play, he might have, if he throws one touchdown, he might pay off. So if he, if he throws one and rushes for one, that is that's that's, huge. that's what you're looking you're, you're looking for one oh, of each. Yes, huge. That's huge. That'll pay, but that'll help you in any format. I agree. Um, all right, going to. Um, the New York football giants who, I mean, hopefully for everybody's sake, especially TV viewers will play better on offense this week. If you have OBJ, he is not on the injury report. Are you ready and confident to roll with him in basically your average 12 team league? Yeah. 12 teams. Even if you're starting two in a flex, I think you have to play him. I mean, the, the potential payoff is big. He made it through that game Monday night, seemingly unscathed. Uh, you have to think the target volume is going to go up a little bit and that should be enough to play him. I, I, I'm worried about this matchup for the Giants offense, though, as a whole. I think the Eagles defense is good. I've been trying to uh, really yeah. kind of pump up the Eagles as a whole. I mean, it was kind of surprising the Chiefs beat them the way they did in uh, week two, based on some of the reviews I saw from that game. I didn't get to watch that game from start to finish, but just the the, the way the Eagles played generally is enough to win. So they could easily be 2-0 and right now. They might be the best team in the NFC East. Yep. And I think their defense is pretty darn good. And the Giants' offensive line just looks so lost right now that they're going to have trouble you know, alleviating pressure from Eli Manning. Um, Heaney and I, two, two lifelong fans of rival NFC East teams, are all over the Eagles as NFC East champs. We we talked about just crowning them already. Yeah, we got them. But both both of us kind of agree that the Eagles are the scary team. So yep, and I agree with that because I mean the Giants as bad as they've been, they haven't played good defenses yet. Unless you think the t- unless the Lions are better than you know, I'm giving them credit for. They so, could be a little better than we all thought. Yeah, like that's that's not out of the. I mean, I, I have we all thought they low, were terrible. Yeah, I I think the Lions are perpetually terrible because of my childhood and even some of the things that have happened in my early stages of adulthood. Yeah. Um, and that's more about my, my development than the actual age that I am. Like I am more like a kid than I should be for my age. Uh, if that, <laughs> if that's what, what does that know. mean? I still watch a lot of animated shows and, um, you know, I play rocket league. So I, I do, I just do stupid things that someone in their thirties shouldn't do. <laughs> well, animated shows, but you're not watching, you know, little kid shows. You're watching, Family Guy and The Simpsons or thing, South Park and things like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm watching like The Simpsons and BoJack Horseman and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. That's that's probably not a mark of actual maturity. Oh, no, I, I, I don't know anything about BoJack Horseman. I've heard I feel like I never heard of it until a month ago and I have no idea what it is. It's really dark. A uh, lot of good talent voicing the characters and. I think it would be even funnier if you lived in L.A. at any point in your life. But I've never lived in L.A. I think it's hilarious, um, even though it's dark. I, I, I can I can appreciate good dark humor. And Rick and Morty, what's up with that? Do you watch that? No, I, I, I kind of see I just saw this on Reddit. There's some kind of like Rick and Morty versus Bojack fans thing. I, I don't really know what that's about. So I'm going to check out Rick and Morty. All right. Yeah, I'm just I don't watch enough TV anymore. So that's how my wife, I don't watch enough TV. I need to watch more. <laughs> I'm definitely below the curve for the amount of TV I watch. 
We, we actually joke around that, you know, when people do the, you know, what if you won the lottery? We say that we would spend six months watching TV to catch up on all the shows we've missed over the last 10 years, like The Wire. <laughs> right. Yeah. You'd, well, you, but you, you, you'd do it, though. You'd probably buy a boat and then like float around yeah. somewhere on a boat in like the Pacific Ocean or something or go to Hawaii and, and do it out there. You'd That's watch it out true. there and like sit on the beach and watch the TV. That would be fantastic. But yeah, a lot of there's so much TV to catch up on. She just watched Ozark, by the way, and didn't like it as much as she wanted. I haven't seen it yet. Still not on my on my radar. I think uh, our buddy Vlad Sedler is a pretty big fan of Ozark. Really? All right. I got to check. I, I think I might check it out. Although after my wife's negative review, I'm not sure I'm willing to invest the eight to ten hours that it would take me. So I don't I know. You could, you could start with like an episode or two and just see if you get into it. I know. And, so, and I think Silicon Valley's next. I think that's my next my next uh, show that I need to binge because I haven't seen it enough. But we'll see. Mm. All right, back to football. Um, Packers. Some injuries last week. And we had Jordy get hurt, but it sounds like he's going to play. Cobb is doubtful. If Cobb is out, are you any? I know they're, you know, they're going to have to shift people around a little bit. Any interest in Geronimo? moderate in Geronimo. I think he's better suited to play on the outside. Cobb runs a lot of routes out of the slot. I wonder if we'd see more two tight end sets and uh, Martellus Bennett coming off a game where he had a few drops mm. and he ends up being the guy that kind of peaks up a little bit in value. This could be a really nice high scoring game. The key though for the Packers is getting at least one of David Bakhtiari or Brian Bulaga back on the offensive line. Bulaga is questionable. Bakhtiari probably won't play. He's doubtful. Uh, the, the reason I think this game is going to be a, a, a shootout, though, is like both teams may have issues on the offensive line, but I'm not sure either team has the pass rush necessary to really do much about it. Nick Perry's not going to play uh, in this one. Most likely he's also listed as doubtful. Uh, Jake Ryan, one of their linebackers for the Packers is down. So they're really banged up. Uh, Devon House, one of their top corners, doubtful. None of those guys practiced all week. I'm surprised Nelson was able to come back and fully practice Wednesday. I think he was limited Thursday and not sure how much he did Friday, but after he left so early Sunday night, I figured it'd be a couple weeks before we saw him again. Right. Me too. Um, all right. So teams that have to bounce back this week, we can, we've talked about some already. Yes or no Panthers. Yes or no on what? Will they bounce back this week? Will they, will, will this be the week where you say, okay, my, my, my concerns about their offense are at least somewhat alleviated. Yeah, the Saints cure all offensive woes, I think. Right? Yeah, that's kind of what I think, too. And we talked earlier about, about how Lattim- Lattimore's not playing, you said. so. Yeah, he's out. Yeah, that's rough. That's brutal. Isn't it, though, the kind of thing where if, they, if the Panthers play well, you know, you're like, okay, well, they made a layup. But then you still have some doubts about him in week four, don't you? Right, and they play. I think they go to New England next week. So, I mean, all if they right. score 30 points, potential. that will be – it'll be sort of the they took care of business kind of thing. So – um, Seahawks, what happens there? I don't think the offense is going to jail quickly. Uh, Jimmy Graham, very banged up right now. Game time you know, the decision, running game. by the way. For Jimmy yeah, like that's, that's not looking great. He could play and be limited. But I think the key for them is going to come out of their offensive line. I think offensive lines can take a half season sometimes to really start to figure it out. And even if they figure it out, it could still be a bottom five line. The key for them is just not being the worst line in the league by a huge margin. Like right. they, they, 
they can be the they can even maybe be the, be the worst line as long as it's not by three standard deviations from the 31st best line. So I'm going to say no on the Seahawks. I think going on the road to Tennessee, tough enough spot where they're going to have some problems again. Okay, so let's say this happens the way you think it will. And I think I agree with you. There will be anyone who owns a Seahawks fantasy player. And we're specifically talking, Graham might be different because he, he might not play. Um, specifically, Wilson and Baldwin. If they lose, let's say, 20 to 10 at Tennessee, are you at a buy low, a good buy low opportunity for Wilson and Baldwin? Yeah, I would think that the owners in, in most leagues would be at the point where they're taking less than they paid, a decent amount less than they paid for those players. And the risky thing about it is just not knowing how long the lack of consistency around them might continue. Right. Because they're both good players. I like Wilson and Baldwin a lot. But there's only so much you can do when your quarterback is kind of running for his life on every play. Right. <laughs> um, the, we talked about the Giants already. And the Bengals, I don't know. At Green Bay, I don't know. What do you, I mean, we talked about some injuries. Do they have a shot? New offensive coordinator? Um, I mean, it, would it surprise you if they bounced back and looked like a competent offense this week? It won't because I like the personnel, so it would not surprise me if they, they bounce back. And again, those injuries for the Packers are enough where you take a, what could be a good defense when everybody's healthy and start taking that many players away and suddenly they could leak like a sieve again. So, uh, yeah, I think the Panthers and Bengals bounce back. Seahawks and Giants, not yet. Uh, how much when you I mean, you watch the Giants, like, do you think their protection issues are fixable? And do you think their offensive line is significantly worse than it was last year, or is it pretty much the same? I think it's pretty much the same, and I think they're gonna they're gonna fix it somehow. I mean, I, I think Beckham, a healthy Beckham, helps to fix it because when you when you get the ball out of your hand quickly, I, it depends on who you're throwing to, right? I mean, their offense was bad last year; it was it was, it was really bad, and the way they scored a lot way too often was was Beckham sort of doing things by himself you know yeah it's not like he scored it's it's not like he scored you know 13 touchdowns on on slants over the middle but you know he he makes plays he's the only one there who can really make plays and I think you know it's the same guys same pretty much everything and I think it's somewhat fixable but to a point where they're not the complete disaster that they are now they're not gonna be good but they're not gonna be this all year yeah, I mean that's that's probably fair at this point. I think with with the Giants, I, I just want to find some way to feel better about Paul Perkins, and I can't do it. Like I, I bought him in the Stopa League as my second running back, easily the worst money I think I spent in any of the auctions I did so far this year. I, is he going to lose his job? It, does it matter? I mean, it, even if he keeps it, like he's still going to be so bad per carry and so sporadically used that he's not even a, a viable option to throw in. He's probably not. Okay, you're right. You're after this, which we agree that this week's defense is tough. They're at Tampa home for the chargers at Denver home for the Seahawks home for the Rams. There's not a lot of breathers in there. No, for the that, that, that's part of the reason why the giants offense, I mean, if you're, you're worried about the slow start and you look at the upcoming schedule, it doesn't make you feel any better. No, it really doesn't. I mean, I do, I do, I do keep thinking to myself, I, I don't. Maybe they weren't as good as eleven and five, but they're not four and twelve either, because it's literally the same people. 
because they couldn't mm-hmm. change anything. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, uh, one other question about this. Uh, we talked about Graham. So tight end wise, Graham's game time decision. Jordan Reed says he's a game time decision. Tyler Eifert is out. Do you have any free agent tight end types for, for people who are still looking for him that, that you would like to recommend? Yeah, Ben Watson's out there. I think yes. his his role looks pretty stable. I, I think it's going to be a lot of short intermediate passes again for the Ravens. Jags have a good enough defense to get some pressure. Uh, I don't think Flacco wants to throw it downfield much. So Watson at five or six targets seems like a pretty reasonable minimum expectation. Maybe he gets you a little bit more than that. Uh, you're looking for some alternatives, though, on the off chance that, you know, Watson's already owned. Ebron's probably gone in those leagues. I don't think I'm throwing Austin Hooper out there if I can help it. Yep. Uh, mentioned Ebron, Ryan Griffin. That's Ebron an ultimate 76% dart. owned, by the way. Yeah. Uh, what, do, what do you do if Graham's out? Well, Vernon Davis is kind of a good built-in late replacement for the read owners. So if you're a read owner in particular, try to pick up Vernon Davis and just swap it out. I mean, over-under that game's 55 right now. Right. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of what other guys you can look for. Evan Ingram. Still reasonably yeah. available. Ed Dixon's not a horrible option. If you had to play Ed Dixon, this is the week, right? Home for the Panthers against the Saints. I mean, right. like, that's if you had to, if you're like in some kind of survivor league where you had to use every league's every team's tight end at some week. I mean, <laughs> this would be the Ed Dixon week. This could be the Ed Dixon week. Okay. I mean, four for 50 would be fine. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I don't think Ed Dixon's going to replicate Greg Olson or anything. All right, everybody. Um, so you probably won less than you thought. We talked about it earlier. Less than you thought last season at Daily Fantasy Football. You know, you play against people with 100 entries in a pool, and it's, you know, it, it sounds like an interesting challenge, but it usually doesn't work out, and it's a losing proposition. But if you're tired of losing at Daily Fantasy Football, check out Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store. Let's Rumble, and that's Let's Rumble without any at the end, matches you with players of the same skill level, giving you a fair chance every time. Play head-to-head for your best chance of winning or group up to play multiple rivals for a bigger payout. Rank in the weekly leaderboards to win free cash prizes. You heard that right. Free cash prizes awarded every week. All you have to do is play the game and you'll be entered in the leaderboard. Your highest score will determine your spot that week. Download Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store now. Get a free $5 bonus with your deposit. Let's Rumble in the Apple App Store. Thanks a lot, Let's Rumble. Okay. Who do you love? Who do you love this week? Can't wait. I mean, great, big week, huge overachieves compared to where most other people think he'll finish. Devonte Adams is a guy that I liked a lot. I thought more highly of him when it looked like Nelson might be in danger of missing this game, but I like his price on pretty much all the DFS sites. I think this is a good spot for him to find the end zone here in week three. Uh, so he's a guy I'm pretty high on cream hunt. Everyone likes right now from a DFS perspective, his price is not high enough. Like he needs to be more expensive. I, I still love Kareem hunt, even as the price ticks up because it isn't fully caught up. He's the uh, second like, most expensive running back on DraftKings. And it's still not expensive enough. It's 8000 though, which is low. Like some weeks, Le'Veon and David Johnson are, you know, 9200 or something. That's, yeah. It just seems like even if he's still second, like it should be over 9000 for yep. Kareem Hunt right now on DraftKings uh, because he's so involved as a pass catcher. Uh, he's so explosive. And just I feel really good about the way the Chiefs uh, keep using him. Uh, the other guy that's kind of like a mid-tier player, sort of more like Adams price-wise in DFS, that I feel pretty good about is actually Terrell Pryor. I mean, I, he's 6,900 against the Raiders, 55 over under, like I mentioned before. He's too big and too fast to continue 
slogging along with this low end production. Yep. I mean, he had 11 targets in the opener against the Eagles, only four last week against the Rams. I think they're going to correct that mistake. And with the shootout potential of that game, Terrell Pryor gets right in week three. I think that's a fun game. And I agree with you about him. I like that a lot. I actually like Amari Cooper on, on the board, too. I think that game's going to be a fun. That's going to be one that's going to make me want to stay awake all night, Sunday night to watch. Do you think because we got the Thursday game that off the charts good that the Sunday game with high expectations is going to fall flat on its face? It could. The thing is, the, Ra- the Raiders, I mean, we've talked about this before. The Raiders offense is so, it's just so thoroughly good, you know? It, it is just, I mean, they're, they're, there's above average stuff everywhere. And the Redskins defense, not so good. But on the other hand, I, I like the Redskins offense. I like Kirk Cousins. You know, I mean, he's not the greatest real life quarterback, but he's good enough. And I like the fact that he throws a pretty good amount. And I think Pryor, like you, I like, I think Pryor steps up this week. I really do. So, yeah, this is, this is a nice one. I don't think it's going to be that much of a letdown. I, I think it's not going to be as good as last night, but it's going to be pretty good. So, um, I mean, like 30 to 27, kind of good. That's, that's perfectly, like, I, I'm fine with that. 30 to 27 is good enough if that's what it ends up being. Yep. And, um, and Redskins win. So, so hmm. there. Okay. My flags in the ground there. on that. Yep. Um, other guys this week for me, I, I like Stafford. I actually think the Lions win too um, over the Falcons at home. And I really are, are like you looking? Stafford. Are you looking back at week one and wondering how the Bears kept that game that close? <laughs> well, we talked. I think the Bears are, are going to be that kind of team, even though they weren't last week. I think the Bears, the, the Bears have parts that are good. They have parts that are terrible. And unfortunately, one of them may be quarterback. But they have parts that are good. And I think, you know, the defensive front seven, right? And some of the offensive line, I think, might be good enough to keep them in games. They won't win a lot of them, but I don't think they're going to get blown out a ton either. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, I could level with that. Um, but yeah, I, and I think that uh, the other guy, let's see, we mentioned Cooper. Jack Doyle. I looked at Doyle on that tight end thing, but he was... 81% ownership on Yahoo, I think. That guy, Brissett threw to him a lot last week. A lot. What is he, eight for 70-something? I don't have the number yeah, in front he, of me. He was eight, he was eight for eight, um, yeah. target-wise. So, you know, Dante Moncrief's been pretty quiet, so I think that bodes well for, for Doyle as well. It seems like he's got that rapport that he's building with Jacoby Brissett. Um AJ Green too. I didn't mention him before. I mean, people, I've got some trade questions about him this week, and nothing I saw that people were getting offered for AJ Green was enough for me to say, "Yeah, go ahead, like trade this guy that you drafted in the first round, who's played on bad teams before and still produced anyway." I think AJ Green is still really good, and you know, at Green Bay, the shootout potential of that game, we're going to see AJ Green bounce back. He'll be pretty chalky, I think, both in cash and in tournaments in DFS, but. I think he'll actually pay. Um, you know, the other thing I want to I want to ask you, the last thing about that, we, we brought up the Bengals and the new offense coordinator before. Now, they're not going to they're not going to overhaul everything in 10 days. But do you think and I, I actually have this conversation with Tim on Thursday. Do you think they look at this and just after after what's happened in the first two games and what they've seen before? Do they look at this and just say, we just got to phase out Jeremy Hill? We just, we just can't do this anymore. 
it's pointless. I hope so, because it, at this point for Marvin Lewis, his job is now kind of hanging in the balance. Right. If they want to keep screwing around and, and running three guys and, and basically using Mixon the least like that to me, that, that just hurts them. Mixon can do more than Jeremy Hill. I don't think that's any sort of secret. And I think with, uh, you know, Bill Lazor, laser Lazor, like I, 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 I always laser, forget. But I'm not sure. Yeah. It's awesome if it's a laser. Well, <laughs> either way, like the, this is one of the things a shakeup should do. It should completely clean up that backfield. And if that happens, you know, Joe Mixon's a guy we might be getting excited about again in a week or two. Uh, it's weird because early in draft season, people loved him. As it kind of played out, his stock fell a little bit, and and that's proven to be the right call. But I just wonder if this shakeup is kind of the uh, jump start Joe Mixon needs for this season. All right. Um, what's your plans for the weekend? What are you doing? This weekend, I believe I'm going to drink a lot of beer and watch football on Sunday. So I don't have any <laughs> any other commitments that are, are kind of vying for my time on Sunday afternoon. So that's good. Uh, Saturday, I got to work Saturday. So I'll, okay. I'll be here. I'll be doing the XM show for those of you who have it. It's uh, 1 to 3 Eastern, Channel 87. So previewing the week again, I've only done it like twice today now and one more time on Saturday, but hey, it's fun, right? It's what we do. Who's doing that with you? John McKechnie is okay. with me tomorrow. Got it. Um, so are you, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Are you a beer snob like Heaney or, or not? I'm somebody yeah, a beer snob. Um, I'm, I'm not like top level. I mean, like on the, the beer snob cheat sheet, like Eno Saris is the, the expert. Like yeah. he's. He's Le'Veon Bell right now on our, on our <laughs> he's awesome. He, that's why he writes about beer professionally. He's, he's great at it. Uh, so if you're ever at a gathering and Eno is there, you'll probably have some of the best beer you've ever had. If Tim or I are there, you'll probably have very good beer um, and probably less interesting conversation than if Eno were there. But, you know, we, we try. We try to drink good beer and there's plenty of it uh, in this area especially. But it, I think it's kind of almost nationwide now. Within, within each region – there's good beer somewhere that you can get your hands on. Yeah. Charlotte actually has an interesting brewery scene that's popped up over the last five years. And so there's a lot of them. So, you know, lots of, I mean, you go to the grocery store and you have options, you know, 10 locally brewed beers that you can buy, which is pretty cool. And speaking of Wisconsin, I actually grew very fond of the Lion Kugel's Summer Shandy this summer. It's really, really? good. Yeah. I mean, you know, lemony and, you know, it's a little bit of, you know, you want to make fun of me for it. That's fine. But as a summary beer, it was. Pr- I wound up buying it probably a handful of times. Yeah, see, I'm not going to make fun of anybody for the beer they drink. I will, you know, refuse certain offers. Someone's like, "Here, have a Bud Light." I'm like, "No, I'm good. Thanks. I'll <laughs> just go have some water because hydration is really important." Uh, you know, but if, if you like shandy, if you like throwing fruit in your beer, if you like, um, you know, a Rodler is also a shandy. But if you like, if you're the cola beer person, I read an article about that. People are doing like fifty fifty. Uh, yeah, it was actually an article, I think, on Eno's site. That's that's sort of a bigger thing in Europe right now where it's it's 50 50. It's uh, usually like a brown ale. Um, the author of the article tested a bunch of stuff. And I think Fat Tire came out as the best beer to go 50 50 with like Coca-Cola. I guess you could use Pepsi, too, uh, if you got a strong preference. And it's called a cola beer. And uh, apparently those are, are kind of like shandies where it's, you know, I don't know, younger, younger drinkers drink them in some cases. Right. Shandies are great on a hot day. Yes. But I only want one of them. You know, it, it's I, I, I'll take a shandy over a, a John Daly because I don't want to pass out in the sun. 
John Daly. See, I'm, I, I literally might, once I hit stop on the record button, I might be making myself a John Daly. <laughs> you could, you could have a, you could have one John Daly before the pod starts. I think, I think See, one is the, the limit there. I don't, maybe I don't make them strong enough. I don't make them that strong. So I can go a few John Daly's in and still be okay. How many shots do you put in your John Daly? I, you know, I'm not measuring. It's probably, is it a shot and a half? So like, so like a finger and a half then. If you like poured in the vodka first and then measured, it'd be somewhere, you know, after the first finger, but not quite as high as the second one. Something like that. I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to check that out. I, I'll send you a picture. To all see right, you, all right. Because yeah, the John Daly's don't bother me that much. And maybe I just make them weak. But, well, I don't know. The last time I had a John Daly, it's been a while. Um, they sell a version of them, and they're kind of like Slurpees at the pool at the Mirage. <laughs> and it comes out in a souvenir-sized cup. So I think it's a 32-ounce cup, and it's it was good. probably five years ago. It's got to be 25 bucks were, to drink that. I think they were 20 or 25 bucks a piece. <laughs> and the the best I, – I had one, and one of those giant – John Daly Slurpee bombs made me feel pretty awful. Yeah. Because it's just a ton of booze. You're in the 105 degree heat. Uh, and I was watching other people I was with drink two or three of them. Like they, they kind of got pulled in by an attractive poolside waitress. And it look, Hey, some people just, they're just not thinking. And they're just like, Hey, yeah, bring me a third John Daly Slurpee. And then you see the look on their face after they start drinking. And they're like, yeah, this, this is not good anymore. Like I, <laughs> one of these was enough. But yeah, I mean, it's good. It's actually good if you can have more than one. It means you're not overpouring on yourself. Like overpouring is is bad with liquor. I'm not. I'm not a big liquor guy. I'm definitely more of a beer guy. I, I see. As I, my problem is that as I've gotten older, I like things like pale ales, but they get too filling for me now, and I don't enjoy them as much. I like the taste, but I after one, I just can't do it. Is it the like the heaviness of the alcohol if you're drinking like a double IPA or is it just beer, the nature of the beer with the carbonation? It, it's, it's more, but the thing is it, it's, I think it's partly both, but I wind up after the first, you know, I don't have the same feeling after I drink a blue moon. Okay. I was going to so. say the, the, the solution to your problem, possible solution, I should say, <laughs> yeah. this may not work at all. Uh, you'd want something like a Founders All Day IPA, right? Like the the sessionable IPAs, as the, the folks call them, where they're like under maybe under five percent alcohol. Yeah, they're they're meant for the the festival. I'm going to be outside from noon to midnight today, and I need to drink a beer that won't kill me while I'm in the sun. Like mm-hmm. that's, but but I like IPAs. I want something with flavor. There you go, Founders All Day IPA. All right, you've you've got a that's a weekend project that you just gave me, so I appreciate that. That's and I think I think that. The founder's distribution is so good around the Midwest that if I go to like a Walgreens, they have it there because <laughs> I mean, it's a Michigan beer, but Wisconsin, we're, we, we actually have surprisingly good beer at the, at the drugstore because why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't you? You're Wisconsin. Exactly. I think I have found, I think I've seen founders in the grocery store here, but I'm not sure. I'm going to check that out. I'll let you know, everybody, North Carolinians, if you can find founders. All right. Anything else? We're good. We want to wrap it. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, one other thing, CJ Anderson, I think he's totally legit. I'm surprised he's not more expensive on the DFS sites. And he'll be chalky again, but more good chalk. All right. And you're going to get everybody ready with, I mean, we've got plenty of things at rotowire.com, and you're going to get everybody ready with the SiriusXM show from 1 to 3 Eastern on Saturday. 
So everybody, please check that out. Um, listeners to the podcast, as always, free 10-day Rotowire trial, rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. You can check out nearly all the features on the site with that. Check it out, rotowire.com slash pod. Rate this podcast, please, everybody. Um, that would make my weekend really, really good. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Our next episode is going to be coming Monday morning, where Derek and I are going to check in on all the Sunday action. So please come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Have a great weekend, and good luck in week three.